Welcome to episode two of the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. Today I'm talking about an issue that many businesses have, not having sufficient money to keep the business going. I love it when entrepreneurs decide to start their business, but whilst I'm excited for them, I'm also fearful because too often they just don't have the money in the bank to get the business up and running and have sufficient money to continue to pay the home bills too. Because you see, there are two lots of bills that need to be paid. One is the business bills and the other is your home bills. So unless you're in a position where someone else in the family is paying all the household bills and you just need to worry about making money in your business, then you need to take into account how much you need to contribute or how much you need to pay in full to your home bills. How much is the rent or the mortgage, the food, the groceries, the entertainment, the fuel, the car costs, children's costs, you know, everything that you pay at home to keep the family alive and afloat and happy. So when you start out in business, you need to make sure that you've got, in my view, 12 months worth of your share, whatever that is, of your home costs. Put aside available because it could take you 12 months to get the business up and running to a point where it's making money. In addition to that, you need to have the costs to get the business up and running. You're going to spend money from day one no matter how much you bootstrap it, no matter how much you do it on the cheap. You're still going to have to pay to get a website up. You still need some branding, some graphic design. You still need to create your product and services. If it's a product, you've got to buy them or find a way of of buying on, on, on sale, on demand. If it's services, you need to identify what those services are. You need to be talking to people. You need to be going out, having meetings, buying coffee, lunches perhaps. Although taxability of lunches is a different question and I'm not going to go into that one here. But think about the costs it's going to take to get your business up and running. So be an entrepreneur, be excited about going on your new business, absolutely, and I'll be backing you all the way. But have a look at how much money you've got available. A few years back, a client came to me. He was working full-time in a job, but he had this fabulous idea, and it was a fabulous concept for a business. He had a lot of the stuff organized. He had the, it was product based. He had the supplier organized. He had the delivery mechanisms organized. He had the operational side of the business under control. Fine. But his job was enough to pay the bills at home, but not much extra. It was by the time he 
you know, paid for the rent and the food and the bits and pieces to live. He didn't have anything surplus. And the problem with that was he had no money for marketing. And because he was working full time and he was actually doing the deliveries after hours himself, he didn't have time to do the marketing himself. He didn't have time to go knocking on doors to sell his services product. And he didn't have the money to pay someone else to do it. Less than 12 months in, when he came to me and said, I've got a job offer that's out of town. It's a good job. It's a better paying job. And I'm taking it. I'm shutting the business down. I've not been able to get it off the ground. I've got this one good customer, but I can't do anything more. And I was so disappointed for him, for the community he was looking to serve, because it was a fabulous product, a fabulous idea, but he did not have the funds to get it off the ground. Now, accounting speak, that's called working capital. Capital being, you know, the equivalent of money, working meaning enough to keep you working. So working capital in simple terms is what I call, for the purpose of this conversation, money in the bank. It's having enough money in the bank to do what you need to do to get the business up and running. Sure, you can do it on the cheap. Absolutely. Sure, you can learn how to do all the different roles in the business. You can be the bookkeeper, the marketer, the product development person, the delivery person, the person who answers the phone, the admin person. You probably won't have staff, so you won't have HR at that point, but you'll have to deal with legal issues, websites, you'll learn how to become a graphic designer. You can do all sorts of things and do it on the cheap to get yourself started. And that's fine if you want to and have the wherewithal and even the skill set to do it. We can certainly learn a lot of those things, and I certainly have over the years. I've done all sorts of things that are nothing to do with numbers nothing to do with what I do for a business in terms of being an accountant, a CFO, management accountant, strategic advisor, none of that. But it was good to do. I enjoyed doing it. It was fun. But for a lot of people, it's not fun. And it's not ideal because it also means it's going to be a very, very slow start to get your business up and running. What is better, and one person comes to mind who's who's a brilliant example of this, who was made redundant in a senior role in a big corporate, got a good payout, and has put that money aside to build a business. And so... She's not afraid to spend money on the marketing. She's not afraid to spend money on developing an awesome product. She's not afraid to spend the money on building her business and getting it up and running 
in a measured, planned way. She's not wasting her money, not at all, no. But she's now a lot way further down the track than she would have been if she'd had to do it on the cheap. If at all possible, the ideal is to have, when you're starting out from scratch, 12 months worth of all the costs you can think of in the bank account. So it's as I say, a share of home costs, but also costs to really get the business up and running and being realistic about it. Get your accountant to have a look at it. Get advice on how much will costs be. When you're starting out in business, you've got no idea. I get that. But find out what the typical costs are. What are the things you haven't thought of? You know, licenses, insurances, workers' comp, registrations, accounting fees, bank fees, merchant fees, online subscriptions to various tools that will make your life easier. Get some input to help you put numbers around those. So you've got a better idea of what your monthly costs are, quarterly costs, what your yearly costs are. Then when you've got your costs sorted, you can start to think about where the income might be coming from and how that can work. Once you've up and running in business, then preferably it's good to have three to six months of expenses covered in your bank account. So having that buffer sitting there, what that means is, as I talked about in episode number one, if you're providing your services or selling your products to big corporates or even just corporates and they pay the bill 30 days after the end of the month that you billed them so you may not get paid for 60 days, you need to have enough money in the bank to cover all your expenses for that 60 days. And in some cases, that may mean you're also paying contractors and consultants. They're not going to wait to be paid. You need to have the money to pay them potentially before you get paid. So having that buffer there means you can continue to run the business, knowing you've got money coming in, but also you've got money to keep you going. And what that does is it gives you peace of mind It takes away the stress and you should be able to have good night's sleep. So working out what you need for your expenses. So say, look at what your living costs are. Potentially, you should be paying yourself a salary from day one. Most people don't, but if you can, it's good. And certainly you need to know how much you need to draw out of the business to pay those household bills. You don't want to be starting your business with behind the eight ball because you don't have enough money to do it. So consider what money you've got available. And it may be that you do borrow money from family or friends to get started. And there is an arrangement in place that once you've got the business up and running, you'll pay them back. And that is fine. I don't really mind where the money comes from, but make sure you've got it. And if you are borrowing money, remember you do have to pay it back. And even if it is family and friends, and even if they say, oh, don't worry about it, at some point you do need to do the right thing and pay it back. It's the 
ethical thing to do. It's the right thing to do. talking to another mate of mine the other day who was struggling a bit with cash flow and he mentioned that he didn't have enough money to pay the staff wages. He lost his best employee. You can't not pay your staff. You can't not pay your bills. had another client who was a motor mechanic built up a really large bill with their supplier of all the bits and pieces that they needed, the parts, the spare parts they needed to do the work on the vehicles. And their supplier at one point said to them, enough, we're not giving you any more credit. We're not going to deal with you. And the motor mechanics had a sit-down conversation with them and discussed how to move forward because they were the best supplier, they were the supplier they needed. And so all new parts were cash on delivery, so they had to pay cash for every new delivery and they put in place a payment plan to pay off what was outstanding. It took them a long time, I might add, but they did eventually get themselves back on deck. But if they'd had the cash flow, if they'd had that working capital, that money in the bank, they wouldn't have got themselves into that pickle in the first place. One of the other areas that people come unstuck when they're working on making sure they've got enough money is the tax debt. And for many, many years, the ATO has been fairly okay with just putting in place a payment arrangement. In some of the recent conversations I've had and I'm talking on behalf of clients, so I'm I'm talking as a tax agent. I've had the ATO officers berate me about the fact that the client should be putting money away to pay the tax bill, that the GST that you're collecting, you're collecting as an agent of the ATO and it is not your money to spend if you've got staff that the PAYG withholding that you're deducting from their wages when you pay the wages every week, fortnight, month, belongs to the ATO and you should be putting that aside at the time you pay the wages. And the same applies for superannuation for staff. The ATO do get involved in that as well. And again, Every time you pay wages, you should be putting the superannuation aside so that when you need to pay the superannuation contributions, you've got the money. And they're getting a bit stroppy about it. So whilst payment arrangements still are in place, you do pay interest. Interest is clocking away on them, so it's not free money. They're getting much harder now about doing it. And so... What you do need to bear in mind and you need to work on is a calculation the end of every week, fortnight, month that looks at how much GST you owe and make sure that you put that aside into a savings account into a separate bank account and don't touch it. Same applies when you're paying wages. Whatever the amount of the POYG withholding, whatever the amount of the superannuation is, you need to find that money and put that in a separate bank account so that when 
you need to pay those, you've got the money. There's the classic book written long, long time ago by Napoleon Hill, Richest Man in Babylon, and it talks about paying yourself first, talks about, I think from memory, I haven't read it for a long time, I think from memory about paying 10% to yourself first before you pay anything. You kind of need to treat the tax office as, well, the second one anyway. Most of you won't be paying yourself first. I get that, but you do need to be making sure you're paying the tax office first. So start to think about ways of doing that. I've recently come across a system where looking at I've actually come across it from two places, one at personal level and one at business, having bank accounts for different things. And I remember hearing about that years ago, have a, have a separate bank account for the Christmas fund, have a separate bank account for your holiday fund, have a separate bank account for emergencies, you know, when when the fridge breaks down and you've got to buy a new one or there's a car issue that you need to pay, a separate account for paying for things like your car insurance if you're not paying it monthly, if you pay annually, and and money for food and money for for kids' school and education and costs and putting those into separate bank accounts and that and having an account that is the this is what we can live on this week kind of money and and living within that. And the same applying to business. So having a bank account for the ATO and superannuation so the money is there to pay those bills when they happen. On the one hand, it's great that the ATO only requires you to lodge your BAS on a quarterly basis, but the downside of it is that it means you have three times the monthly figure you have to find every three months. And I sometimes think that whilst it's great because you only need to do the form every three four times a year every three months, the downside is that it would actually be better for you from a cash flow perspective for you to pay it every month as part of your monthly payments and you wouldn't potentially get in the pickle like some people do because three months is too long and the number gets too big. But with the business, same sort of thing, having a separate bank account for the, for the tax and super possibly putting away money for income tax as well. If you're profitable, when you're at that point, definitely that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. And whether or not you then also put money aside for other different items as well is something to think about really seriously. So the big lesson here is having a buffer of money in the bank making sure you've got some money and even if your goal in the first place is just to build one month's worth of expenses up as a buffer in the bank account and it might go up and down during the month as you pay the rent and the money goes out and then more money comes in as people pay you and the money goes back up again and then you pay the wages and the money goes down but up and down but that you've got a kind of a level that isn't coming back down to a zero balance all the time. It's so disheartening when you look at your bank account and you've got nothing in it and you know you've got bills to pay. But if you've got a buffer in there and the buffer's coming down a bit, that's okay, but it goes back up again, 
it's a much, much easier place to live, much less stressful, much more controllable and gives you the ability, that whole feeling that you're in control of your business now, not that it's in control of you. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking with a special guest about the ins and outs of small business finance. That's going to be a cracker of an episode. Lots of useful information and great insights into funding your working capital, finding different solutions to helping you if cash flow and having that buffer of cash is a problem. So do watch out for the next episode.